This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Dave King, head of marketing at Asana. Previously, Dave led the marketing teams at Percolate, High Five, and Salesforce Community Cloud. On this episode, Dave talks about the difference between collaboration and coordination, why he decided to join Asana, the advantages of the self-serve model, and his philosophy for building and managing a marketing team. It's a really great interview, especially for any marketer who's thinking about how to manage collaboration across a team. Thanks to Dave for coming on. And so without further ado, here's our interview with Dave King, head of marketing at Asana. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org, and we have on location in the middle of wonderful, sunny San Francisco today at Asana HQ. Dave, what's going on? Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me on the show. We are really excited to talk about collaboration, to talk about the difference between that and coordination. We're going to talk about why marketers are great at throwing events and all of that. But first, how did you get into marketing? Well, my first ever marketing job was actually in college. I was working with a buddy on a startup at Duke. We were doing web content management software delivered ASP before SaaS or cloud were a thing. And as we were getting ready to release the product, we were going to launch it at uh, the Internet World Conference in New York. And we had to decide at that point, what were, what is everybody's job? And as the cognitive psych major, I got the role of, of marketer. I knew nothing about it at the time and promptly made my first of many marketing mistakes, including creating the logo and printing a signage on foam board instead of a vinyl, so which couldn't even fit into the van that we drove up to the conference. So that was my first marketing job. I ended up doing a tour of duty through Wall Street, uh, an investment banking and venture, and quickly learned that everything is about marketing. It's about problem solving and storytelling, even in these finance-oriented fields. And then ultimately uh, found the life's calling back in marketing, both at Salesforce and have spent the last 10 years working on collaboration technologies. So I have to say, we are an Asana customer. So, you know, full disclosure here for our audience, uh, we're huge fans of Asana. And I'd love for you to share for our listeners who don't know a little bit more about the company, what you're building and why you're so excited to be here. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for being a customer, by the way. So Asana is a software platform that helps teams coordinate and organize all of their work from daily tasks to big strategic initiatives. So I think you were telling me the, all the logistics of the show, right? You, you, you plan on Asana. A lot of tasks. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. So you are one of uh, several million teams across 195 countries that are using Asana for the, uh, the things that they do. The problem that we focused on solving is you know, when you work on a team, you end up spending an incredible amount of time just coordinating work. Uh, this is email, messaging, meetings. It's now about 60% of your time that is coordinating the work rather than actually doing the work. So teams move slowly and it's just, that's not what we, that's not the work that we do. So uh, what Asana does helps teams get organized and uh, makes sure that nobody drops the ball, nobody misses a deadline, because everybody knows what the goal is, what the plan is, and then who's responsible for what. So when you first heard about the company, what were your initial feelings? How did you kind of come to be head of marketing here? So about uh, 11 years ago, I was at Salesforce working on uh, all their collaboration technologies and got really interested in this uh, in this space and did a startup after that. And uh, as a marketer, I was always obsessed with this idea that we have an incredible amount of technology focused on the channel, 
everything's about distribution or analytics. We didn't have anything to actually coordinate the work rather than outside of email and a spreadsheet. Yeah. And when I started using Asana with my team, I just, this is a game changer. And then I, uh, I was lucky enough that they, uh, they invited me over here and it's been an incredible ride ever since. I love stuff. I love it when somebody is a customer first and then becomes the head of marketing. Like what a fun, what a fun ride. There's some marketers that are so good at their job that they can just market to, to any community that they want or any product. For me, I have to believe in the mission I have to love the audience. I have to really care about my customer, and I have to love the product. And and here, all three were just perfectly aligned. So when you got here, what was kind of the state of collaboration? Like, what was kind of the ways that you saw people out in the marketplace kind of making mistakes in their collaboration journey, or the complexities of why this is why this is difficult? The the biggest thing is that people still don't have an approach for it. They are living, uh, they're managing their work out of email, yeah. out of status meetings, and out of spreadsheets. So the biggest shift is just recognizing it. I, I like to say, I think that we're in the, as marketers, we're in the third wave of marketing innovation. So for me, the, the first wave was it was all about content, all about content and creative. And with all these new mediums, there's incredible ways to tell our story now, whether it's YouTube video or ebook or so forth. The second wave was really around channel optimization. And this is the rise of data-driven, growth-oriented teams, marketing analytics and operations becoming you know, really front and center. And I think now we're in this third wave, which is focusing on the marketing and creative process. Linda Boff, the, the CMO of GE, has the great quote where she said, you know, optimizing your channel is about, mo you know, moving pennies around. But when you optimize your process is where you're moving the dollars around. Yeah, I love that. And uh, so I think a big focus of mine and the team here is how can we be more agile? How can we be more creative? And then ultimately, how can we be more productive? Because all of us as marketers, we're getting asked to do a lot more uh, with the same resources. And um, so how do we get that exponential growth? Yeah, we recently had um, Wade, the CEO of Zapier, on Mission Daily, and it was really interesting to hear like how much of human behavior and work behavior has changed just in the past like decade, and how you know all of these tools. Like, yeah, they, you know, like if Asana was around fifty years ago, I'm sure it would be it would have been gripple. It would be a lot different, but it would be really different for people to be on the same page. But you didn't have companies that were 100% distributed. Like you just didn't have that. You didn't have as many companies that worked in, you know, all of these different countries in the world at all these different time zones. And if you did, the project work was much more siloed so that you could do it. But now there's no silos. I mean, there still are, but like companies, the best companies are breaking them down right and left. You know, being able to see everything at one time is critical. You know, in the army, we always used to say, like, who else needs to know, right? Like, this idea that having a common operating picture is, like, necessary on, like, the battlefield. Something that now it's, it's kind of just standard, right? Like, you kind of have to be doing it. Everything is multidisciplinary. And it's not just within marketing, which has now become probably the most functionally diverse department mm -hmm. in a company. But hard to name an initiative that doesn't require heavy involvement from product and from sales and from customer success. I was spending time with um, with the team at Sony, uh, Sony Music. And it, I think their experience is what we're you know, kind of seeing everywhere where they have gone from uh, marketing albums, you know, they, they manage Beyonce and Alicia Keys music. It used to be you prepare a big launch event for an album totally shifted. Yeah. Now it's about how do you connect with micro segments on streaming services? And when the new show on Netflix comes out, how do you connect to that to, to trend in real time? We're in an always on environment. You got to do a lot more with less. And it means you got to be a lot more agile. So um, what's interesting is we are, we are more connected than ever before. There's more messaging, more file sharing. But hasn't always translated into more productivity. And so a big thing is getting clarity on, you know, what's most important and who's doing what. So why do you think that there's a 
differentiation between collaboration and coordination? Like, how do you view those two things as potentially different different things? Yeah, I I think of the the three C's of collaboration. So every team needs um, communications tools. These are things like Slack or uh, messaging services or e- even email. Uh, second is they need their content, so Dropbox or Google Drive. And then they need the coordination, which is, okay, what, what are the goals? What, what's the plan? And who is doing what by what date and what time? Mm-hmm. And so we run on the gas stack. We, you know, we use Google, Asana, and Slack. And each team kind of has a variant I've never of those, heard that. Of the, of those a, three. Yeah. That's what we use. Oh, that's funny. Nice. Yeah. Stack, uh, but the big um, big thing that we're seeing is collaboration tools have uh, we're collaborating at exponential rates. So the number of messages and pings and syncs is is growing at an exponential rate. That hasn't translated into real productivity. So Michael Mankins from Bain has done a bunch of research that shows our productivity is barely keeping pace with inflation. Yet we're collaborating off the charts. And I think it's important to not mistake collaboration for uh, getting stuff done. And at, at the heart of it is, you know, you really need clarity on what is the, the goal or the objective of the team? What's the plan? And that plan needs to be visible by, by everybody. And then defining who's responsible for what. Earlier in my you know, career, you'd, you'd go into meetings and you'd, you'd discuss something and you'd, you'd walk out. But it wasn't clear if what we talked about, if, are we doing it? Are we not doing it? Who, who's, is it due tomorrow or is it due next, next quarter? That lack of clarity leads to extraordinary amount of waste on your team. And so one of my big goals with our team is make sure that everybody's got clarity on the plan and who's doing what by when. We never want to leave a conversation without making that really explicit. And Asana helps us do that. When you have to live in your document of record, right? Like you have to live in like the accountability service of record. Like that's the thing. I think, you know, it's one of the biggest differences that I've seen, you know, as you try to bring your team to be more high performing is, it is no longer acceptable at the end of a meeting to say like, okay, let's schedule the next meeting. It's like, we all have calendars synced. Let's schedule it right now. Or, hey, what was our what were our do-outs for this meeting? Like, just put the task in Asana while we're in the call, right? Like, don't, don't put it on a Google Doc that we then have to go find again. Just like do it in real time. And I think that that's like, that is like one of the keys is what is the, what is the deadline for this thing? And, and what's great about this, and you know, not that this is, a huge plug or anything. But what's great though is like, you know, that you can put tasks with, you know, date unassigned versus assigned. It's like, hey, if you just get the tasks in there and get whoever they're, atta- they're assigned to, it's like we can add in the dates later. But at least we have like a, a place for those things to live. That's right. Yeah. One of the top use cases, hey, create an agenda for the meeting beforehand. There's an opportunity to comment on the on the doc or the agenda beforehand to rise what questions do we actually what decisions do we actually need to make in the yeah. meeting. Then you get in there and you assign those things out in the meeting. And oftentimes the meeting ends early. We have a thing here, we we have no meeting Wednesday. So yeah. uh, that just time for deep work. And uh, if you run your meetings efficiently, you can do that. Yeah, we uh, I think Airbnb does that too. I think they do, I think it's Wednesdays. Back to the coordination. Piece. I think that's really interesting, and I hadn't I hadn't heard that before. Do you find that that type of coordination then leads to kind of less communication? Because that's one of the things that we've seen where it's like Slack is really good for back and forth things, but there's also and whatever communication tool that you use, uh, as long as it's not email, that then you're saying have these conversations where they're supposed to be in public in real time versus in private in the DMs where it's not really doing anyone any value. Slack and other tools like it are great for what they are designed for. Unfortunately, they're misused as as tools for coordinating work. So if the discussion is about ideating on an idea or trying to solve a problem, that's a great use for it. If it is, hey, I'm just trying to get clear, are are you doing this? Or I want to ping and check in on something because I'm not sure the status, you should be able to see that. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you mentioned the, you know, a system of record. As marketers, we're one of the few departments that doesn't have, that hasn't historically had one. So sales has Salesforce, uh, engineering teams, sometimes, you know, they'll use JIRA. HR teams may have Workday. Marketing, when you think of the big core elements, the tech stack, 
it's usually our distribution tools, right? It's, it's marketing automation. But there like is, the amazing folks at Pardot who sponsor this podcast. Yeah, well, and actually, my my very first marketing job that I told you was with the team that later went on to to start Pardot, and uh, we, we reunited back at uh, Salesforce. But uh, amazing tools, but isn't designed to help you manage your marketing strategy, the marketing calendar, and the process. Yeah, you know, one of the big things is just being able to take your 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 marketing plan out of a, a PowerPoint slide deck. Put it into a system you can share with sales, you can share with product, you can share with CS. So then people aren't pinging you asking you, hey, what's my marketing plan for EMEA in the second half of the year? They can see it. And yeah. it's always up to date. It's a huge advantage. Just sometimes I got to turn down the uh, push notifications because I'm on like every project and goodness gracious. We are working on that, but that's, you know, you're you're involved with everything there. That's hey, good. you know, I love being involved and seeing that stuff is getting done. And when I'm getting notifications that people are knocking stuff out right and left. But it's funny you say that. So we have such a different use case because we're a media company and we're like show driven rather than like blog driven or whatever, you know, however you could say it. So like we have very, you know, individualized shows for across the the nine shows that we're, we have right now, which hopefully is more at the time of this airing. But the idea that all of these things happen in a different show, that there's a structure to each show and that so many different activities have to happen, you know, from audio engineering to all these different things in a sequence that has to happen in a certain way, but that you need to take best practices and share those across. Like that's where you get into meetings are no longer about when are deadlines happening because everyone knows that. It's about, hey, let's talk best practices. Let's strategize about things like actual, you know, where human beings need to be talking and like brainstorming and doing those types of activities or company trainings or things like that. It's a lot less the leader sitting on the call going through a to-do list. Yeah, we, and we work with a lot of global brands and a huge CMO pain point is always just what is going on in my organization. Yeah. I, and we I've seen examples where CMO hosts a global call every single morning to get a status update on what's happening in each region and it gets compiled into a master spreadsheet and you I go would cry. Yeah, but uh but that's the pain a lot of them are living with is just not having that visibility. If you can automate that and then have the discussion on the work or the creative, so much better. So let's I want to talk about marketing as it relates to Asana, because I think that there's a lot of really interesting lessons here. My assumption, and I don't know this to be true, it's just was true for us, that we went from Google Sheets to Asana, right? So we went from something that A, we already pay for, that is of no extra value to us, we already have it, uh, super lightweight, not very complex, not at all intended for what we were using it for, to Asana. I would, I would guess, and I would be curious to what you say, that a lot of people go from like nothing to Asana that are saying, basically, we're completely rehauling like how we collaborate and how we coordinate things to be done. So what are the marketing challenges that go into selling a product that like inherently to them is a nice to have, not a need to have, but then once they've been on it for three months, they're like, oh, we need to have this, yeah. you know? Yeah. We, there's two primary buyers or, or early adopters of, of Asana. And the first is that uh, that team leader who is managing projects but would never call themselves a project manager. This is a uh, integrated producer on a creative team. This is a campaign manager or product manager. And usually what happens is they're living with this anxiety of something's going to fall through the cracks mm -hmm. or something does fall through the cracks. And they just go, I got to I gotta get my team organized. So they come on and, and – um, Nobody uses the so tool. So as a team, not as a company? Yeah, usually as an individual team. And mm. we make it available for free. And so they can get started and get organized. And, and the product's been designed to help them do the right thing without ever knowing it. Yeah. So even the way, you know, you can only assign a task to an individual person, prompts you to add a due date. These things that are best practices, but you, you, know, so you don't have to take a, a course to learn how to do it. So typically it'll get adopted by an individual team. And then a little bit later, a, a department head, say a CMO or CEO says, hey, we got to get more agile as a company. We need more visibility. We need all these repeatable processes. How can we templatize those and streamline them? And, and that's when we 
we expand, you know, department or company wide. So is that challenging? Because, you know, one of the things that I think for, for companies that have kind of this similar sort of, it's not bottom up necessarily, but kind of a mixed approach is that what the HR leader sees as problems versus the marketing leader are potentially two completely different dialogues, even though kind of the symptoms are the same. Uh, you know, the the root problem is the same is that it's just you need to be able to coordinate better. How do you talk to like those different types of business personas? Yeah, well, the <clears throat> I think this is a big shift in the way that software has been sold in that it's not, a, it's not lengthy sales cycles where we're talking to an economic buyer who's then going to force their team to adopt it. Yeah. We, we start by creating software for small, te- small teams to be, to be useful. So when I think of our funnel, our top of funnel actually starts with our existing community. And we say, how can we serve them better? Mm-hmm. Because 60% of our new users come from word of mouth. Yeah. And so some of the big marketing initiatives that we have, we, you know, we host a, a community event, community gathering almost every single business day on five different continents. Wow. And uh, this is the community coming together to share best practices and give us feedback and have hands-on training. So we design it for the people who actually use it, not for the people who write the check. So- I want to expand on that. How do you do that many events? I mean, with the size marketing team that you have, we have a very templatized and streamlined process. So, we do uh, each community gathering that we do has 115 tasks. That is a template that's in Asana project. Can you share that with me afterwards? <laughs> it's uh, it is a four person team that will do 200 events on five continents. Wow! And you know, they have the methodology, and after every single event, they improve the process. They do a retrospective. They look at what worked, what didn't work, pull in all the survey results, improve the process for the next time. And what I love about it, it's all updated in a, in a timeline. So when our team in Sydney asks, hey, when's the next event, when's the next tour stop in Melbourne, you can just send them a link. It's right there. It's always up to date. So, yeah, amazingly efficient team. But uh, our business model, you know, lends itself to that. We just – we get to focus on building really good, well-designed product for the end, for the end users, and then they share the good, good news. So what are those type of events? I mean, are those cross-channel or discipline? Like what – are they for different types of leaders? Like what, what's going on? There's all different flavors. So we have some that are for marketing and creative teams. So – we have uh, most of the big publishing houses, whether it's HBO or Showtime or National Geographic, you know, are managing their content production and design processes all in Asana. So we'll have one flavor just for them. And they come and uh, it's about the community. It's not about us. Um, so we just gather them and they share their, their processes. Wait, so are you, are you like hosting the event? And we, then you're bringing in the experts. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we organize it, but they uh, they provide a lot of the content. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then we'll have hands-on trainings and things like that. I think as a marketer, our job has always been to create content that's useful and delightful to the audience, and you find out what what works for your particular audience, and then how do you how do you scale it? Yeah, I mean, preaching to the choir as. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that a lot of people, a lot of marketers kind of just don't necessarily feel like they have the bandwidth to do the work in which you can go and get that information. Because I think a lot of times, especially with creative work, like we're kind of just creating the work to like check the boxes, you know, to to click complete in, uh, in a sauna as, you, as it were, um, rather than like the why behind those things. And, you know, you see this with like outsourcing of content, which is just you know, if you're, again, if you're outsourcing for $10 articles, like you shouldn't be writing those articles. And and if the person is that good of a writer, you should pay them five times more money um, <laughs> uh, just out of the goodness of your heart. Because if they're working for, you know, $10 an hour, that's not great. Um, I just, I, I fundamentally don't see, I see the volume and I don't see the impact of those type of campaigns. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think I, I'm very reluctant when I hear 
people talk about marketing tactics and that uh, and advocate that those get adopted. Anytime you see an article that says the five tips that you must do, typically written by a pundit, not a practitioner. Yeah. And each of our audiences and our markets is so unique that you have to f- start with problem clarity. Yeah. And figure out what's the problem you're trying to solve. And then how do you get a semi-autonomous team to uh, develop a a hypothesis and test and iterate on that hypothesis? And so when we hire people, we look for the intellectually curious. Uh, We look for people who are problem solvers and storytellers. Anyone who's trying to bring an off-the-shelf playbook, it just doesn't doesn't work because what works for one company is not going to work for the next. So it's all about how can you get clear on the problem and then how do you create a process that uh, allows you to get to the best outcome? Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, part of the reason why this show marketing trends is like about practitioner first, like best practices and bringing those because the trends that we're using on a day-to-day basis are changing. That's like more than anything, you know, marketing is changing faster than any other discipline. It's extremely complex. You know, everything from uh, PR and analyst relations and uh, and everything in between. And like that is insanely complex. And there's all sorts of tasks that all of these have to align and nest into the broader strategy. And it's like if you're not doing that, you know, good luck, right? It, it's the best job on the planet right now. First, I think um, boards and exec teams are realizing this is the best tool for, for driving growth. And we have more channels, we have more technologies, we have more to- uh, tools in our toolkit than ever before. And so they're depending on these teams. It's also more multidisciplinary than it's ever been mm-hmm. and more cross-functional. So and I think people are looking to the marketing team to define not just the marketing strategy, but what's the overall go-to-market playbook. Yeah. And so we we create ours. We have a six-part playbook that uh, is abbreviated as Ascend. Uh, you know, each letter stands for a, a different play in our in our playbook. And the key thing is that, that that thing can't get stuck in a PowerPoint deck at an offsite. You have to put it into a to an operational system with a North Star metric for each play, and then you know an actual plan with how you're going to execute against it. I think more and more that's being that onus is being put on the marketing team, which is fantastic. My mind is racing right now to think of what a SEND stands for. I'll try to predict it after the show. Just like, can I work on it? Uh, no, I love that. You know, we um, we had uh, Chandar, the CMO of Coupa, on a couple times actually. And one of the big things, you know, they have he's a big believer in like three plays, and that that's all you have bandwidth for, and that's like you know his playbook. But I think it's really important that you have much like a collaboration software. You have to have your plan and stick to it. And that's, I think, one of the big shiny new object problems that a lot of marketing leaders have is they go to their board with the plan. The board's like, has no idea what marketing is. So they're like, what are you talking about? You know, like, what is all this stuff? And then too many, you know, cooks in the kitchen. And then they kind of come out with some like seven pointed star that is not at all what they were kind of intending to do and aren't successful. As you came into the role, as you had conversations with the founding team with the board, what was kind of your approach to go into this role in the first place? I think your point is spot on. I see two problems that typically happen. One is that the marketing plan may be divorced from the plans of the other other functional teams. The second is that the marketing plan may prescribe tactics rather than desired outcomes. Yep. Uh, your $10 per article sounds like somebody said, hey, generate a lot of articles. Yeah, generating articles. We have people that reach out to us like, hey, can we do an article a day? It's like, we could. Not the outcome that you're that you're looking for. So those are the two, two big problems. So when I came to Asana, the first was getting aligned on the, you know, what is the, the mission and the ambition? And I think that is spending time with the founding team. And our, our founders, Dustin and JR, are just incredibly mission-driven people with just huge visions. The next is getting really clear on the target audience. Who are we trying to serve and what does success look like? And what typically happens is sales has a different target audience than what product is building for and marketing has a pl- marketing plan that's focused on a totally different audience. Yep. Making sure those get codified and we, we codify them into what we call our, our segmentation bullseye. And then developing that go-to-market plan that is shared with product, marketing, sales, uh, CS, so that 
everybody is focused on the key objectives and then putting them into a system going, what's that North Star metric for each of those plays? And then assembling teams who can test and iterate our way through it. So, you know, so many people come to the site and sign up and we had a big initiative for, hey, the goal is not to get them to sign up. We want to make sure they're successful 30 days later. And so we said, what, let's, let's form a, a series of hypotheses on how we can drive that 30-day adoption rate. And we have all this great content. And, we, and so the product team, working with the marketing team, working with our, our self-serve sales team, figured out new onboarding sequences and series to get people more engaged that they set, set them up for long-term success and had one of the biggest adoption wins we've had in the history of the company. I think that we... I can't remember offhand. I think that we started self-serve and then grew from there. I, and I want to go into self-serve in, in a second here because I think it's we, it's, a, it's a separate issue. But I wanted to just circle back to like how you did what you were just saying, which is like getting everyone on the same page. Because I think that that's one of the things that a lot of marketing re- leaders feel reluctant, that they don't feel like that's their job. We talk about JJ from the CMO at Tenable, um, Jennifer Johnson, who like really had this exercise when she came in and was like, we're going to do category design and creation together as a team to say, we know where we want to be in 10 years is owning this category. What do we need to do? Was there some sort of like, you know, did you all sit in the Redwoods together? Like, well, what, who was the audience for that? And like, how did you kind of build a, a same same page-ism? Yeah, I, I love our process here at Asana because uh, at some places it starts at the executive, you know, C-suite and the, and the directive is handed on from down high. Here, we actually start with the people who are closest to the customer and closest to the problem. So we form small cross-functional teams and each has a problem area. And they end up writing a, a brief or a proposal on, on strategies to unlock that, uh, that problem. Those end up getting revised through a series of discussions into our company-level objectives. We have 10 objectives per year. Mm-hmm. So those get uh, you know, refined and put into our annual operating plan. And then from there, it gets put into our objectives and KRs process and the resource planning against each of those objectives. So we've got the ground-up insight, top-down alignment, and then we make sure everything we're doing has like an actual plan and resources to achieve it. And, uh, you know, of course, helps to have a tool to, <laughs> to do all that in. Were there any kind of like pushbacks that you, when you came on as head of marketing, from whether it's like internally or just externally people that were kind of like, you know, why did you take the job? Or like, oh, you, you know, those type of kind of non-believers that didn't really understand what was what was going on? I remember a lot of people said, you can't make money in collaboration software and you have a free product. How 50% of our revenue is now coming outside the U.S. Wow. And our growth rate is increasing on a larger base every single quarter. So I think when you tackle a universal problem, there's, there's plenty of, uh, of money to be made. That was, that was the number one uh, that I heard and uh, been doing quite well. I wonder how much overseas or, you know, non-U.S. events matter. I, I always think about this in Silicon Valley. Part of the reason, like, you know, why I was so excited about our network of, of shows is just, like, all of the discussions that happen in the basements of Silicon Valley, you know, companies and, you know, it, at WeWorks and all these places that just, like, these really cool conversations that don't get democratized. I think I think half of our audience is, is worldwide, too. And I just think that there's a lot of conversations that, need to be spread. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on like events outside, like in EMEA or wherever, that they, that those potentially perform better. Well, I think the, the key thing is we're testing and learning and sharing in every single market. Yeah. So we view a lot of our regions as where some of our most innovative ideas are happening. Yeah. And then we pull them back into, into the States. What works in, uh, in Sydney is different than what works in Berlin, different than what works in London. We just launched Japan and made the product available there. But in each of those experiences, 
we can learn something something new. And so one of the biggest things has been connecting our global teams and making sure that uh, they're sharing their plans and tactics and success stories and then incorporating them in other regions. Yeah, and I think just being authentic and connecting with those markets in a, in a unique way that feels, you know, Asana-y. I, I mean, I think that's a super critical thing. You know, people talk a lot about, you know, like, language barriers and cultural barriers and all this sort of thing. I said, there's a great, there's some word that in Australian means like the F word that in in English means like something totally different. Like, and someone had like an event around that word. Um, I forgot what it was. It was really funny. But yeah, just things like that, you know? And I think, but if you're authentic to who you are and you're doing the thing and it's your kind of playbook, the, the 114 task checklist there, it's like, you have the 80%, the backbone that is your company, and then the 20% that can be that, you know, cultural value add in the in the place wherever it is. Yeah, I think the thing that's universal is uh, we're, uh, all teams are trying to solve problems and and make better use of their of their time and work to be- together better as a team. They also don't like being sold to. Yeah. So if you can create, if you can connect with them in authentic ways, solve their problem through product through program through content or through connection that's a winning recipe and then and of course do it in a, a way that makes sense for the culture and the context so I want to talk about self-serve this is something that has been hotly debated on the uh, on the internet comment boards uh, for a long time we don't need to debunk it I don't think there's a right answer but I'm curious what you think about you know the self-serve model and this idea that there are so many options now that giving people an opportunity to just like dive right in and use it, especially with a tool that's extremely simple to use, that's very intuitive, that so much thought was put into the user experience. You know, it seems like there's kind of this one side where the adage is, you know, if you make something free, then and you're marketing things that are free that the people are never going to pay for it, which I think is right in some cases, wrong in others. But the other side of this is this idea that once it's part of your, you know, daily culture, once you've used it, you know, that 66 times that it becomes a habit that this is now baked into the culture. And we've seen obviously with uh, tools like Slack and Zoom that have been really successful doing that. Yeah. Curious to your thoughts. Whether or not it's right for your team and market depends on who your, who your audience is and what your mission is. For us, our mission is to reach every single team on the planet, and we're just a couple of territories and countries away from being in every country. So free is a way to, to align that, that mission. And the problem that we're solving is, is a universal problem. Every team experiences it. I think it's one of the most powerful techniques that we have, and I think it represents the, the future of software. What we typically see with our teams is small teams will adopt it, start getting value, and maybe it's a product marketing team. And then all of a sudden, the product team sees how useful it is to see the product launches all laid out in a timeline view. The product team starts using it. And then the design team starts using it, and they see it. And then the legal team gets brought in for legal. And so it kind of it kind of spreads. And then our sales team is solely focused on Hey, how do we help you get more value? They're not trying to convince you to buy anything. You've already you've already started using it. They're just saying, "Hey, here are the best practices and the techniques we can streamline your workflows." They're, every discussion they have is a value creation discussion. So it's been incredibly effective for us, and um, I think it represents um, future of software. The downside that I see is I am one of the people who I demo a software and immediately click through all the buttons that's like, not now, not now, and like ask me later sort of things. And then when the sales folks reach out, it's kind of like that. It's just a little annoying. It's like, hey, I'm already using it. I don't need, I don't need your help, you know, which is silly. But, you know, I feel like it do that, which is which is silly. But I think a lot of people do that. They're like, hey, I just want to use it. It's intuitive, especially if you're like very, you know, if you use a lot of tech. But the other side is like, there's so much post-sale value. We talk on this show, uh, we've talked in the past about how, you know, 80% of dollars or more go into the pre-sales process and then nothing goes into the customer experience. Nothing goes into the post-sales process of, you know, the education or, or things around how to use the product. And it can't just be those conversations. There has to be other ways to do that, other creative ways. Are there things that you're doing to be able to do that kind of like down the road marketing, that up that upsell from freemium to otherwise? We're like, oh, that's a use case. I didn't even think about doing that. Yeah. And I think as 
marketers, we are uniquely suited to have those kinds of tools to create the right content and deliver it at the right time. We just we've historically only thought of marketing as that as a top of funnel through the consideration yeah. and purchase stage. I think more and more teams are going full lifecycle. Yep. So a, a ton of uh, our team is focused on the post sign up experience. So we launched uh, the Asana Academy, which is an on demand learning platform that is free to anybody. And uh, at different stages, based off of your usage patterns, you may get offers to consume that content, that video content. And what, what we found is different people have different preferences. Some want to talk to sales. We want to make it available for them to do that. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people want in-product tutorials. Others want to go take a class online. Others want to show up in person. The key thing is you got to segment those different um, personas, and then you've got to create the content, and you've got to measure it and iterate on it to see what, what works. But uh, I, I think more and more marketing teams are being asked to, uh, to be full, full life cycle. I think it's a good thing. You shared something before the before the interview about something really cool that your sales team did. I thought this was really fun, and I just could you share that for the audience? Oh, the, the well, one of the things I, I love about our team here is uh, you know one of our values is uh, one team, one dream. You know, there's no sales versus versus marketing. We're one team, one dream, and we were preparing a big, huge campaign, big launch. In the day of the launch, the sales team hosted uh, an event. They they set it up in a corner of the office where they had they put up uh, uh, bars. They had full food spreads, and and the salespeople had actually gone to bartending class to to create a signature cocktail that that they even named after uh, after our product launch. You know, copywriting skills were a little uh, <laughs> a, a little questionable, but the intent was amazing. And I think just uh, one of those things that when you create a culture of appreciation, it just it, it spreads. And in ours with our with our sales team has been uh, remarkable. I love that, and that's such a great best practice for marketing teams that want to win over your sales team. Like that's such a great idea, and make the drinks all like you know names of AEs or something like that. Like there's so many fun things that you could do that show that you care. And I really think it's those little things that it's like, you know, it, there's a lot of ways to point fingers, but if you actually get the people together, and it's like, oh, that when I get an email from her or him. That was the person that, you know, made me a cocktail. That's, pre that's pretty – and it doesn't have to be – it could be a sandwich, you know. It could be whatever. But that's really fun. Yeah, and most of our project teams have uh, sales and CS on them. So we, we very rarely have a team – you know, have an effort that doesn't include members of another team. And I think um, too often we as marketers, we want to own an MQL target yeah. and go, ah, sales is responsible for – everybody's responsible for revenue. And when you assemble a cross-functional team to, do, to go, what's the problem? And then how do we create a hypothesis? And how do we run as many experiments as possible? It aligns those incentives. And then and things like the celebrations are a natural byproduct of that. Why do marketers have so many offsites? <laughs> yeah, I wrote a blog post on this because uh, you know a good friend, uh, Doug Landis, uh, who is a sales productivity guy, yeah. asked me that once. He's like, you guys throw, you, you throw offsites all the time. And he's like... He goes, I'm assuming it's because, uh, you know, you have events teams and you just like to, you know, you like to do events. And I thought about it. It was actually a great question. And I think, you know, it's because we have historically not had a clear way to go from marketing strategy through to aligning on the execution. Mm -hmm. And whereas other departments have, you know, have had their approach or, or they're just not as, as complex and multidisciplinary. Yeah, it's much more nebulous. Marketing has always had to get everybody in a room to to make sure that uh, everybody knows what you know the status of everything, and so I, uh, offsites still have their their place and a huge fan of them. But the most important thing is you've got to get that strategy into a playbook. Um, so for ours, we call it the marketing playbook. It's codified into Asana portfolios, so we can actually see each play. Anybody in the company can look at all the different projects and initiatives that are that correspond to that play. Every week there's a status update, and every month there's a scorecard that gets published on how we're progressing towards it. I think once you have that, the need for alignment is much uh, is not as great. So then your offsets can be focused on relationships, can be focused on big ideas and cr uh, creative ideation. 
rather than you know alignment and, and status updates. What's your favorite campaign of all time? Favorite, my favorite campaign of all time is the one we're working on right now, which is a, an upcoming brand campaign that's going to just tell the story of the remarkable things that our our, our customers happen to create on on Asana. But yeah. uh, a couple that I a couple that I've loved from the from the past. One is uh, we want to create an event series for for marketers. We went back to the first principles of like, hey, what what would be such compelling content for for a marketing executive that they would take time out of their day to come show up? Because mm-hmm. most of the marketing stuff I get invited to are vendor pitches. Yeah. It, so we had this consumer insight that marketers are intellectually curious, and by better understanding the world around them, they'll be better at their jobs. Mm-hmm. So we created this thing that focused on the big ideas and trends that are shaping the world and the planet with really interesting, thought-provoking speakers that had nothing to do with marketing. And uh, and then on day two, brought it back to how that affects brands. And it was oversubscribed. People say it was the most engaging content they had ever been a part of. So I think uh, that one uh, I loved. We, we've run some really clever competitive campaigns in the, in the past at Salesforce that are some of the most, most memorable. But really the most effective campaigns are the ones where it's not a big bang. It's a program area that you set up with a cross-functional team and you run experiments over and over and over and over again. And the breakthroughs are just incredible. So what's next for Asana? Anything, uh, anything cool coming out? Any new, uh, new features? Yeah, there's a, a, a ton happening here. So we are, um, one is uh, expanding our international expansion, expanding into Japan and APAC and really uh, going aggressively in, in Europe as well. Two is product innovation. So we've released just a suite of all new features. Uh, about 30% of our customers are marketing and creative types. So oh, wow. So we created a whole uh, solution just for them. Everything from your intake forms to the portfolios to manage your marketing playbook to workload, which is the ability to see and staff all of your team. Think of you know, the perennial problem of designers being overloaded or underworked. Now you actually can see how much everybody has on their plate to Adobe integrations, integrations with uh, email marketing tools. And then uh, coming up, we are um, expanding on that workload offering to be able to, um, to measure the effort and output of, of everybody on the team. We just did some research on this problem that all of us as marketers face, which is we're overworked. And you know, the World Health Organization just, just came out and classified burnout as, a, as an occupational hazard. We did some research that showed that 80% of people feel overworked. And when you cut that by marketers, it's even worse. So marketers, 75% of marketers have, have been burned out in the last six months. And I think this problem of not having a clear plan, uh, clear responsibilities, and being able to see everybody's workload so that you're not burning out your stars and underworking uh, the team, huge problem. So we're releasing that product, uh, which we're really excited about. That's so fun. Yeah, I, I, man, I, I couldn't agree more. I just think that whether it's marketing or sales, like there is truly no end to your job ever. And if you don't have an end, like you could always create more stuff. You could always do these things. When you're in that mode, like that is exhausting. And you don't ever feel like you get off the treadmill. Like you never do. It's like, oh, I should write, I should write this uh, white paper that, you know, this customer success story that I've been working on. That's like, you know, the GDOC, the GDOC uh, graveyard. <laughs> it's like yeah. my 400 drafts that I have sitting there. Yeah, I think it's having real impact on people's anxiety and uh, their ability to be creative and their productivity. I think a lot of this stuff is just not translating into outcomes. But when you can get you get clear on those expectations, and then our job as marketing leaders is to make sure: do they have alignment on the problem? Do they have a clear plan? And do they have a, a you know a, a balanced workload? And then I think you you know have thriving creative teams. Before we get into the lightning round, I do want to get some little feedback from from the expert here. What are what are some hacks? What are some tips? that we can do here at Mission to improve our productivity, you know, using Asana? Yeah, love, love it. Uh, we'll give you a couple, and then I'll, I'll give you a, a, a pro tip, which is, which is one of my favorites. The first is I'm sure you've got team or company objectives and goals and values. Mm-hmm. Put those in, into an Asana portfolio so mm-hmm. everybody can see them and have 
each of the bodies of work ladder up to them. Great way to get a bird's eye view of everything that's going on and for everybody to know, is this thing that I'm working on tying to the to the objective or the plan? Yeah. Second is that marketing calendar, marketing plan, get that in there and share with the broader team. So for you, every, every show and every key pre and post production date, have that in a timeline view in Asana, which will also be available in calendar view. Yeah. And so that as something changes, maybe your recording date changes, everybody knows that it's always up to, up to date. And boy, do they. Oh, it, things change all the time. And you should never be updating people via email. You know, just update it once and it shows up everywhere. Yeah. Third is templatize the the workflow so you're never reinventing the wheel. Yeah. So using Asana templates, you know, get the the flow and the process uh, the way you like it, create that as a template, and then after every single time you use it, go, how can we improve it? Hmm. And you just create a learning organization that's constantly getting better and, and more and more efficient. And, um, you know, one of the, the pro tips, one of my favorite features is we have this concept of a universal record. Any task that lives in Asana can live anywhere at the same time. We call that multi-homing. So for, you know, for our team, we're hosting a bunch of big events in, in Europe. Well, is that part of the European marketing plan? Is it part of the events plan? Is it part of the global campaign totally. plan? The answer is yes. It's part of all of those. So you can add, for any task, just add additional projects to it, and it's instantly visible in all those different views. And so you update the record once, and everybody has that. That's one of those. Yeah, man, that's great. Because that's one of those things that's just such a pain. Because, like, we have so many tasks that are, that are you know, it's a customer success task. It's a sales task. It's, um, I said what's product, but, like, our, it's a producer task. Like, it's all integrated anyways. You know what I mean? So that's great. I love it. I'm going to try to use our influence here to borrow that 114 event checklist. Um, okay, let's get into lighting round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing automation with the world's number one CRM, which is Salesforce. And you spend a bunch of time at Salesforce. Love it. So your customers here. There you go. Um, everyone should check it out. Pardot.com slash podcast. Lightning round questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Well, I, I literally use Asana every hour of every day, it's not cheating. just for work, but uh, for coordinating uh, activities with my three kids, uh, oh. which is, which is, uh, which is, there's some complexity there, a lot of moving pieces. App that I use most for fun, uh, I probably, I'd go, uh, Flipboard is my primary source of, uh, of news, so I curate all my filters there, and that's, a, that's my, my news feed. Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? I'm a huge Audible uh, listener and consume a book or more per week. The latest one was Why We Sleep. Mm. Incredible science-driven approach to the restorative properties of sleep and its creative benefits. We've had like that on like three different people brought it up, and we did a sleep week at the mission just because of that. If you are pushing through as a marketer and, and going on four hours of sleep, you are doing your team and your audience a disservice. Uh, so that's a big one. I also think, uh, well, I'm, a, I'm an endurance sports wannabe. And so uh, so all, all the books on endurance athletics, I, I find great joy in. Favorite thing to cook or eat? Asana Culinary. We have our, our own team here. <laughs> it's spectacular. Um, I had one of those. It was like a, some type of delicious treat that I ate before. It was like a, some sort of like Brownie nut bar, but was not a brownie. I don't know. It's delightful. Probably the best thing that I that I cook is every Saturday morning we host a bluegrass breakfast at my house, which has a lot of kids, a lot of dance party, and that's a uh, a big traditional bacon eggs. Uh, it gets the weekend started off off right. That's sweet. I love that. What about ad campaign that you've seen recently that you're jealous of? I have loved. Some of the great storytelling campaigns uh, behind the Mac with Apple, I thought was really thoughtfully done. Um, going back a few years, Live in Levi's, mm -hmm. was, you know, I spend. We more talked to the person who did that campaign. 
Oh, um, I spend more of my time these days looking at the B2C companies and finding inspiration because I think what they do is really find the root of a consumer insight quite well and, and tell stories around that. So I'm, I'm generally looking at them for inspiration even more than, than B2B, despite its relevancy to our business. What do you do for fun? I am a, a bad but aspiring triathlete. And so I, um, running, swimming, or, or biking are my uh, sadistic ways of, of having fun on the, on the weekends. Wait, there's, there's always one that you're bad at, though, right? Isn't that like every triathlete is, like, is really good at two but bad at one? I, I'm a terrible swimmer, which, you know, as you know, comes first in the, in the yeah. race. So it's never hard for me to find my bike in the, in the corral of bikes. Most of the other ones are already <laughs> gone. But I do, I, I end up getting to pass people on the second half of the race. So, so uh, generally end with a higher ego than when I start. That's hilarious. <laughs> What are you most excited about for the future marketing? What I'm most excited about is uh, we're being asked to drive growth uh, uh, for for companies. And I really think the two universal principles of a marketer is we're problem solvers and we're storytellers. And the the role is getting more technically savvy. Uh, It's getting a lot more resources. It's getting a lot more complex. And uh, it's just getting a lot more exciting. So I, I mentioned it's the third wave of marketing innovation. I just think it's... I, I tell the team this all the time. Everybody's got an opinion on marketing. They always share their ideas. And that's because everybody secretly wants to be a marketer. Yeah, they don't exactly. appreciate how hard it is. Yeah. But what we do is a real privilege and it's a it's a gift. And it's a great responsibility because at the end of the day, we're responsible for spreading ideas and driving growth. And uh, I just think it's one of the, one of the highest callings that uh, young professionals can have. Best advice for a first-time head of marketing? This was given to me when I left from having a functional role to leading an entire team. Focus on getting really clear on what is the actual problem that everybody's trying to solve. That should take 80 to 90% of the time. Finding the solution to that tends to be the easiest part of the process. Unfortunately, we usually we usually jump there first. Yeah, isn't that like that's like an Einstein thing where it's like, how do you solve a problem? It's like spend, you know, like 58 minutes diagramming the problem and two minutes solving it. I'm spending my time trying to uh, ask better questions and provide fewer answers. Anyways, that was the best advice I received and that I would pass on. I love that. That's great. Last question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? You know, a question that I don't get asked enough about, but that I'm so passionate about is um, what is a brand and why is it important? And I think so often, I, I teach a new hire onboarding class here on that very topic. And so often people think of it as something that's owned by the company. Mm-hmm. They think of it as a set of colors, a logo, a campaign. And it's not. It's uh, it's the experience that the customers have with your product and your service and the trust that you engender with that. And in that end, it's not marketing's job. It's the whole company's job. And it starts with just being maniacally focused on the, on the customer. I, I, I never get asked that, but when I have the opportunity to preach, I, I explain to everybody from people on the helpline to the people who greet people at our office uh, you are a brand ambassador. You're creating an experience for our customers, and that's what drives our our, our growth. As a marketer, you don't own your brand. As a company, you don't own it. Uh, it lives in the minds of the customers, but what you can do is deliver a great experience. I love it. Dave, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for, for coming on the show. We, uh, we're going to be following along. I mean, we quite literally are following along uh, every day in Asana um, at, here at Mission, but uh, it's just been great chatting with you. Any, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for being a customer. It's a, th- uh, a thrill to help teams like yours, and um, they're creating amazing things in, in the world, and uh, thanks for letting us be a part of it. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast or click on the link in our show notes.
you have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.